Yeah, that is my beloved Oasis with Supersonic, which is also the name of a brilliant documentary about the band. If you haven't seen it yet, you should. It's on Netflix and definitely worthy of your time. Uh, But the reason I'm playing it is because there's been an awful lot of talk about AI and the arts in recent days, particularly in the context of the actor's strike. And the question has been asked, could artificial intelligence replace your favourite actor, your favourite musician, your favourite comedian, your favourite author? And for Oasis fans, is AI Oasis as close as we'll ever get to having new music from the band? Colm Buick of Off The Ball is with me now to discuss and debate. Colm, you're most welcome. Jess Ventura, Detective. Hello. <sighs> You've already ruined it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I mentioned you on the show last week in the context of the Wham documentary. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, as I just mentioned there, the actor strike in, uh, particularly in the US, we've seen a lot of actors coming out in the last little while and AI is a huge factor in their reasons for striking because they're saying that their image, their voices, their beings could be utilised, they'll be underpaid, undervalued and so on. But in the context of music, we mentioned Wham! last week, we mentioned the Oasis doc. Do you envisage a world where artificial intelligence will replace the likes of Noel Gallagher or Liam Gallagher? Replace now is a very strong word in action. But it could be an occasional replacement substitute. Like I've seen it happen with the Beatles as well. Mm. Songs that they never, that Paul or John wouldn't have written but sound remarkably like they would have. So, I mean, it's such an interesting area because like where does copyright come into it and ownership of the songs and all that? So it's a, it must terrify the music industry, mm-hmm. I'd say. But if you're in control of what's happening and you reap the benefits, then... I don't think there'll be much hesitation using it. I'd say like maybe in a couple of decades time it'll be ubiquitous. But I think there'll be a lot of hesitation for this generation to use it. Yeah, I was talking to Luke O'Neill uh, earlier in the week about uh, what happens to ourselves when we die. As in, what happens to... like So we obviously work in broadcasting. Uh-huh. If we were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, which doesn't happen, could News Talking Off The Ball use our voices from the archives that they have of us over the years to build a Jess Kelly AI to provide some witty sarcasm and top tech advice. I thought they'd use that as a escape for a clean break. They wouldn't have to do it. But if they decided to mm. go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they would. But if I they mean, actually they, value they, me like. Yeah, yeah like, that's very quirky. Thanks, yeah. they, um So if they do value you right say, say they do imagine right? if for, they did just for argument's sake yeah, well, thanks. For, this, cool. for, the, for the purpose of the segment they value you right mm. but when in, in my mind then they'd still need consent from the Kellys our next of kin to use your voice to continue you know so you're asking me like could I envision it happening yeah and I'm saying yes but immediately I'm going to the practicalities of the legalities around yeah using a voice and I wonder is that a grey area but maybe it's not I'd like to hear legal advice on that <laughs> Let's put them on the line. Oh wait, there's nobody there. Uh, no, but this is the whole point of of the debate that's going on, particularly in the context of the actor strike. But uh, Ray Foley on Today FM earlier in the week played a snippet of somebody who uses AI to manipulate the voice of musicians and get them to sing different songs. So, uh-huh. for example, uh, there's one of Johnny Cash singing "Barbie Girl." Yeah, it's very sophisticated. Yeah, but as a music fan, yeah. Uh. Would you want another Oasis album generated by AI, signed off by Noel and Liam? Because there was one earlier this year that yeah. wasn't. 
But if they signed off on it but had nothing creatively, because mm. we were talking last week about the Oasis doc mm. and you get to see their brilliance and how a lot of their experience of growing up in Manchester, obviously their ties to Ireland, the difficulties that they had, like their dad was very abusive and all the rest. You can absolutely hear that in their songwriting and in their storytelling. Mm. So could AI realistically produce another Oasis album? Yeah, well, there's probably there's 30 years of evidence to go by, so you'd have loads to go on. And like the naysayers towards Oasis would say like they're the most basic of rock bands because it's four chords and it's singing about partying and then eventually singing about being free. So you could say, well, it's easily it's easily done to replicate the whole thing. Uh-huh. But for me, like if you're asking, I suppose like our generation would probably be very reluctant at the idea of it because like we grew up with artists like, well, they'd actually hate to be called artists, but like musicians like Noel and Liam who came from little, like are certainly not really much of a music background. I think their dad DJed and that was it. Mm. And then they just did it themselves or certainly Noel did. He picked up a guitar. He didn't know where a guitar came from and wrote all these songs and was a roadie in a band in Spiral Carpets. So I think our generation, a lot of, most people in it, love that story of someone who grafted and made their way to the very top. And it feels to me like AI would just bypass all of that and take a shortcut. But if you asked maybe younger people or just people who are all about AI, it doesn't matter what age you are, they could say, yeah, I mean, like if it creates great music that I love to listen to, Mm. who cares where it came from? And then if you have someone as charismatic as Noel on radio promoting the idea that there's an AI generated album yeah. then suddenly maybe I would be on board because if Noel's setting the virtues of it then I'd be like okay it's his music and so he wants to replicate it I'd say if you said to him or Liam I know Noel gets most of the money but it would be like you know this, you'll get X amount if we do this mm-hmm. he'd be like yeah go ahead because it's not going to change what he created but um, I would be against it Yeah but as a fan and like the other example that I was thinking of is David Byrne from Talking Heads I love yeah. Talking Heads yeah. like absolutely adore every single day listen to them I don't like some of the the stuff that he's written over the years is so batshit crazy that it could potentially be done by AI right but it's when you see them perform live Stop Making Sense the live performance uh, by Talking Heads is one of my favourite things I've ever seen in my entire life yeah you would not get that with AI generated content you know that's really interesting because so Talking Heads is a great example Oasis were at their best live mm-hmm. in the 90s. Like, every time I listen back to them, like, I'd be sending you links of, like, mm-hmm. Main Road 1996, those two nights in March 96, a few months before Nebworth. Like, I could listen to those gigs all day long. Yeah. The GMX uh, arena in December 97, incredible. Like, the height of their hedonism. Like, Liam has a beard, which is unusual look for him at the time. And, like, just incredible. Nothing can replicate. That was his peak voice, Liam. Like, he was incredible at that time. He went downhill afterwards. You can't replicate that. Having said that, other musicians, other genres, I've seen like Daft Punk and Chemical Brothers live and that feels like an AI experience because it's it's two lads up there in the distance behind these DJ booths and you're like, for all we know, they could be pressing play. They totally are pressing play. And they could just be chatting away amongst themselves. Like, do you know? So I suppose we kind of have a little bit of an idea of what it could look like. I'm not saying that's AI generated. Of course, they're creating all that magic. But like, that's... That's what it could be. How that would transition to a rock band, a traditional rock band where you have your uh, lead singer and guitarist and bassist and drummer. Mm-hmm. It would feel very cold and very like, it's not an immersive experience and it's just like, well, it may sound good, but it's homogenised mm. to death. The thing that I've been thinking about since we planned on having this conversation is that it's not just about the music and the content. There's also, like if you ask anybody about the 90s, 
I guarantee you within five people, someone will say the Battle of Britpop. Yeah. So Oasis versus Blur. Yeah. They'll talk about the fashion. They'll talk about the the vibe of it all. And yeah. that came from the music. And so I do wonder if we go down the road of generative AI as a form of entertainment and celebrating all that it produces in terms of like a three minute song, you are going to then lose cultural influences beyond just what's in your headphones. Yeah, definitely. And Noel even lamented that at the end of the Supersonic documentary that you referenced earlier, that his voiceover in that Nebworth gig, he was like, that was the last of that grouping of people that you'll ever see. And the reason is there wasn't one mobile phone in sight. So no yeah. one was filming it. Yeah. So then a few years later, well, you're talking 10 years later by the time camera phones come in. So in the mid to late noughties, when you're watching the rise of Arctic Monkeys or Kasabian to name other similar type rock bands, mm. you see the odd phone. But when you get into the 2010s, it's just off the charts and there's no going back now ever. So like the transition to bring it on further to AI wouldn't probably be as shocking for us because we've kind of already been there. We've kind of lost the romanticism of people like truly people gathering as strangers in a field, thousands and thousands of people who have no other distractions other than what's in front of them. And you could argue that's already gone because people whip their phones out and like it's all going up online and it's like getting the best video which they're never going to watch back. They're never going to watch back. Like it's a total waste of time. The sound is always distorted. It sounds absolutely shocking. And I guarantee they don't listen to it back. Your camera roll is banjaxed. Yeah. And you might put it up on a story on Instagram. Do you you take your phone out at a gig? No, I honestly don't. And now, now, do you know what? Go on. I say it's over, like, do you know, do you know? Mm. In the cold light of a weekend. Yeah. But like, now someone could remind me that was with me, like that, oh, you opened the phone out, all right? Like, yeah. look at the odd picture. And I probably was putting it up on uh, on my story, but it's almost putting it up to see who else is at the gig because then if someone sees it, like, oh, I'm here too, I was like, great, we'll all meet up then afterwards. Yeah. You're almost doing that, really. That, that for me is the experience. But never am I like filming these things and then like Monday morning, oh, listen back to that now. I'll just wait for the actual live version to come out. Like there was a lot of controversy this week about Taylor Swift tickets being yeah. extortionately expensive. Tweet. It's it's Oh my god. I am so outraged by it. My little cousin Rachel really wants to go. They did the pre-registration thing, all the rest, and the only tickets that were left were 700 quid. Like imagine for one ticket, imagine spending 700 euro to go see an artist who's got millions of dollars worth of property around the world, is one of the biggest selling artists, has taken on and won against streaming companies. Yeah. It is gouging at its worst. So she's a bit of a modern legend, right? So am I right in saying she re-recorded all her music? Yeah. Yeah. And presumably she has control over the prices, right? She can definitely overrule it. She definitely has a say. The radio do something similar where they they cheapen the tickets because they were getting outrageous. So you, like you say, she's a multimillionaire, but maybe she feels, look, I put all this endeavour into it and it's, I think Come that's what it's worth the music like. No, no, no. But the thing is, I think it's the Aviva she's playing at. Yeah. If she sat every single ticket at 86 euro or whatever the basic price was yeah. and got rid of the VIP packages and just had all the tickets being general admission, she would still make an F ton of money. This idea of sectioning off parts of a stadium to have different tiers of VIP experience. And the VIP experience, by the way, just because I was in an absolute rant about this the other day, you get a seated ticket, you get a lanyard, you get four postcards of Taylor Swift, you get a, a, a sort of commemorative ticket thing and you get one, like you get basically tat. Yeah. And you're being charged 700 quid per 
ticket. Now, there's other artists like Ed Sheeran who've taken on the big um, ticket out type things. And he's implemented very strict rules around, you know, bringing ID to gigs to make sure that if you bought the ticket, you are who you say you are. And I appreciate and respect that. What happened this week was not in the interest of the fan. It was gouging. Uh, it looked like it. Like, I'm just looking at your tweets here. Yeah. And so the name of the different packages. So Karma is my boyfriend package. That's a song. Oh, that was going to ask you. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I also had to Google that as well. €743.62 each. What does that entitle you to? They just literally. So like, what you just said. The, oh the, the postcards, a lanyard, you still get the same seat. And the other thing is, Harry Styles did this for Slane as well. They were VIP packages, and people were saying that once you got your fancy ticket, you went in and it was basically general admission. Yeah. And I think, like back in the day when I went to see Westlife at the Point Depot, having a whale of a time, it was such a good experience. I brought my niece to see Ed Sheeran in Croke Park. She had a whale of a time. And you get to see how important those events are for kids. Mm. Like, I'm, what was your first gig? Um, someone asked me this last week and I still can't remember. I should just give you an answer. It's probably something embarrassing. There. No, but Oasis playing in Parky Ring. Did it, you see them? That, my sisters went, but I, was, I wasn't allowed to go. Aww. My sisters are a good bit older. Like. So that, like, that's my first Oasis experience. Because when I was in, all I remember in the mid-90s in the house, just Wonderwall on the radio, every other song. Yeah. Uh, so it went through them. And I, to, to, to this day, I can name you 600 gigs I've been to, but I can't remember my first. Mm. I cannot remember my first. I think mine was Westlife. I was a big Westlife fan back in the day. Yeah, that would, so mine would have been around that time too. Was it Westlife? I thought, no, I was never into them. Because I, I thought Boys on it some great tunes, All Saints I Loved. See, they were all my sister's music. Yeah, but I, I got it through my sisters. So they yeah. had Ghetto Blasters. Yeah, my sister did uh, them as well. I remember them opening back Christmas in the day. morning. It was like the biggest thing ever. And I got all my music taste through them, really, like, because it, like, literally, yeah, so they would I. just blare it as loud as you could, like, and my dad would be going mental downstairs and turn it down. That's my childhood memory. Yeah. So all my music comes from them. Uh, I can't remember my first gig. That's really bad. I know. And as I said, I could give you countless examples, but yours was Westlife in Dublin. Yeah. I'm from Dublin, so. Well, I know. You might have gone to Sligo. They might have had a homecoming. I don't think time. I left Dublin until I started working have for you left Talk. Have you ever left Dublin? <laughs> I think my first time genuinely was going to the ploughing with Newstalk when I was like 21. Have you gone over to the north side? Yeah. Okay. I'm moving there. I know. Congratulations. So, there yeah. It's very exciting. Um, I was going to say something there uh, about what you said, the Taylor Swift stuff. So, like, the problem with the pricing is that people are paying it, right? Yeah. So it's never going to go backwards is the worry. Unless, no. her, unless her popularity wanes, but it doesn't look like it's but, going to. But, 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 and I had so many people having a go at me on Twitter about this yesterday I agree or with whatever you, day it was. Like, I was advocate. That's, no, 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 and I get it. And I'm not saying that either side is right or wrong. What I'm saying is, like, it's not up to Rachel, like my cousin Rachel, yeah. to not see an artist that she wants to see to fight gouging like it's up to the big body like why is there no consumer body out there fighting this yeah. why is Ticketmaster allowing it why is the promoter allowing it why is the artist allowing it There, there's not one person here who is to blame and I think putting the, the onus on the customer in this instance is actually not the right thing to do yeah. because there has been so much talk and during the pandemic that the artists came out and you know, obviously there were artists who lost out on a hell of a lot during the pandemic because they couldn't perform, they couldn't sell t-shirts, all of the rest. I completely get that. But now to swing back and put the pressure on the consumer, yeah, I don't think that's fair. No, it's not, but 
the problem is if the consumer continues to pay the prices demanded, then nothing will change. So like you could argue that the the general consumer is too passive mm. and accept too much. Like they complain to friends and family about the cost of things, but they're still going to pay it ultimately. Yeah. It's like if you go for a pint in Dublin city centre, like it's an outrageous amount of money. Mm. But when you're out and about with your buddies, like you're not going to refuse to pay, you know. So if people continue to pay, nothing's going to change. But you'd you'd like for Taylor Swift to be the anti-hero. Uh, Check you out knowing she, a Taylor uh, song. claims to be. That's a great tune. That is a great um, song. That she would be the one to say, well, look, I have all the money in the world. Let's let's just charge people a reasonable fee, which is what Radiohead did. Which is when I was looking at Oasis stuff from back in the day, like the price of tickets to their gigs was so unbelievably reasonable. Like never yeah. anyone could go, basically. If you had a bit of pocket money, you could go. It was just a, that was more about demand than cost. Mm-hmm. So I like, yeah. I wish we could talk about Oasis, Jess. I more. know, but I have to go and talk to Pat Kenny, so I'm sorry. Do you want to come on another time and talk about Oasis? Well, we kind of did a bit, like, but um, I wanted to do more. You know, I could do a full hour of Oasis. You know, we could absolutely. Uh, but we won't because we're up against the clock. Sorry, chicken. Uh, Colin Buick of Off the Ball, thank you so much. When we come back here on News Talk, we're going to hear about the new higher diploma in game design from Maynooth University.